Hi there, welcome to the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, the Fearless Lady, Charlene Light. When I turned 40, I decided to create a really fun challenge for myself by stepping into my fears 40 different ways. I tackled fears around aging, going after my dreams, and even finding true love. This podcast is about that journey and how it transformed my life and how you can start looking at your fear as an invitation to step into your worth, invite more freedom, joy, and fun back into your life. Life can be an adventure. Live the life of your dreams. Hey, 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 fearless ladies in the house and men. (laughs) What's happening? It's your girl, Charlene, with another episode of the Fearless Lady Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, So I had been building to this place in the journey where I talked a little bit about, you know, what goes up has to come down. So I was feeling myself up, really expanding, really stepping out into my world and asking myself these questions, you know, what scares me today, what sounds like fun, and then I'm sharing everything on social media. So I'm kind of buzzing, but at the same time, I'm feeling this energy kind of contract now. So I, at this point, day nine in my journey, I was, you know, teaching my yoga classes, which I actually want to talk a little bit about my history with yoga, why I even stepped into a yoga space in the first place. Um, You know, I had been living in Los Angeles and my good friend, April, who, if you're listening, big shout out to you. um, My good friend, April, was the one that introduced me to yoga. I had heard about it over the years, but I always thought it was something that old people did. (laughs) And maybe that's something, you know, you still think, I don't know. I thought it was a lot of stretching. I didn't think it was for me. I wasn't somebody that really worked out. I didn't really enjoy going to the gym, but I thought I had to, you know, I was doing all the things that we thought or we were told that we should do, which is go work out, exercise, that kind of thing. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I love to take a dance class here and there. I love to go on hikes and things like that. But the idea of being in a yoga class just didn't appeal to me at all until I met April. So April and I became friends. I actually was taking her she didn't have a car when I first met her. And I, the only thing I knew about her was she didn't have a car. And I just, there was something about her that I liked. So I remember, I think we figured out that she lived close to me, somewhat close to me where I was able to, I basically offered her to take her to, to work every day and to take her home. Cause I'm like, you don't have a car. That's ridiculous. Let me help you, you know? But by doing that, we ended up becoming best friends. <laughs> we would drive together and we would have these long conversations. And so she was the one, she was really into yoga. She was going like four times a week. She had an incredible body. And there was just something about her energetically that I was like, this girl is different and I want to know why or what what's making her this way kind of thing, right? So she took me to my very first Kundalini yoga class. This was years ago at Golden Bridge over by what used to be, or actually it was before the Grove existed, but that's where Golden Bridge was. And she took me to this class and I remember like um, walking in and there was this beautiful studio And I really did love what Gumbuk was saying, and I loved the ideas of it. And I loved that at the end, we got to take these long naps, and then we got tea and cookies at the end. And at the time, I remember she offered, you know, everybody to, she invited everybody over for dinner at her house, which was like so lovely. So I really loved that there was something about being in that space and and things in the discussions that they were talking about was right up my alley. It was right at the beginning of like this... this idea 
kind of the seed in my mind that there's more out there than we know. And this is a whole new world. And if you step into this world, you too can start to and discover these new possibilities about your life, about yourself, about the people in the world around you. And I was so fascinated. And you're doing this amazing practice. You're getting your sweat on and the whole thing. And you get to take a nap at the end. So it was pretty awesome. So I, I eventually, I made my way into my first power yoga class. Um, initially, I was really intimidated. It was a 90-minute class. This is in West Hollywood. And I was like, how the hell am I going to stand anything for 90 minutes yet, a yoga class, you know? And I walked in, and there was something about the teacher. She was funny. She was bright. She was light. There, you know, it's like we are attracted to things, you know, by the way in which they come to us. And I think initially – she was the perfect teacher for me because she spoke my language, but at the same time, she was dropping little bits of wisdom here and there. And then I'm getting this like crazy ass workout, harder than I've ever done in my life. And I'm feeling amazing afterwards. And I couldn't even put the two and two together, like why it was happening, but I just knew that I loved it more than anything that I've ever done as far as any kind of physical practice. Like I like I said, I hated going to the gym. I hated, you know, doing the Stairmaster and the 30 minutes of cardio, but I knew I had to. It was like, I have to do this exercise, so let me just get it done. But this was different. This was something I wanted to do. For the first time in my life, I was drawn to it because it was challenging not only physically, but mentally it was challenging, you know, how to cue my breath with the movement, how to um, she would say certain things that got me thinking differently, you know, so I was no longer looking for something to escape, right? Like when you go to the gym, you put on your headphones and you escape and you just kind of get the 30 minutes done. It wasn't about that. It was actually being present with what was coming up for me. So it was really powerful. I was feeling in some ways like it was therapy because I was working through certain emotions. I was feeling things that I hadn't felt before. And at the same time, I was building flexibility and strength and endurance. And it was incredible. So I just continued. And then when I moved to New York, New York to me was really where I started to get serious about yoga because it was the one thing that I really loved to do that made me connect to myself. So even though I was having all of these, you know, you know, seemingly horrible things happen in my life, you know, with the pursuing of my dream and not working out, I can still show up in a yoga class and then afterwards feel amazing because it was working through all of those emotions. You know, emotions need to be worked through. We can't just like leave them because they will stay stuck in our bodies and then something will happen and then we'll explode <laughs> at someone because we haven't dealt with the very thing that we need to deal with, which is usually these stuck emotions. And so, and also, you know, when I got mugged, I was going to yoga. I mean, I was going to yoga probably every day at that point because I needed to feel strong again in my own body. And that's what yoga gave me. And I, I remember crying in certain classes, you know, working through some of that stuff. You know, talking can only get you so far, you know, and our bodies tell stories. And I say this all the time. It's like you walk into a, a yoga class and it's like, you're always different. You're always feeling something. You're carrying something with you. And the power of community of, of being in that yoga class is that we move through it together and you don't feel so alone in the process. And you're able to, by the end of class, hopefully kind of restore a certain balance um, where you're feeling a little bit lifted, a little bit more like in a higher frequency than when you began. And that's really the power of yoga, you know? Um, and we also, we have no idea like, 
what stories are, what people are coming in with. And, you know, somebody next to you can be going through like the worst experience of their lives. And then someone next to you could be going the most amazing experience of life, but we just don't know. So it's an opportunity for all, for us to come together with this practice and be in this dance, you know, for a moment, like be with each other and it can be very, very healing and and vulnerable and fun and exciting and all of those things. So I say all of that to, to set this next fearless act up because I had been a yogi. I had been somebody that had gotten emotional in class, but this was all very private because when you're a student, you can do that. Nobody is going to, you know, notice if you're having a moment here and there. But as a teacher, which at this point I had been teaching for, I don't know, six years in New York, I never allowed my emotions to get in the way. I mean, I was very professional and and why should they? You know, I would show up to class. I'm here to offer my, you know, guidance, my knowledge of this practice that I love with my students. I'm not here to um, have an emotional breakdown, (laughs) you know, at least I'm trying not to. Um, But then day nine of my fearless acts, um, something happened and I'm going to share just um, what I wrote and then I'll talk a little bit more in depth about what happened. So day nine, cry at work. I've cried numerous times in a yoga class as the student, almost 10 years as a New Yorker, and I consider my yoga practice my best friend. I show up to practice when I need to dance, when I need inspiration, when I need comfort, and usually when I need to feel loved. It's in a yoga class that I feel safe enough to let go and allow whatever feelings to come up and ultimately move through me. But last night was different. I showed up to my Monday night class as the teacher and felt a little more vulnerable than usual. I've come to know and love this group of students. Most of them have become my friends, my family, and I feel at home with them. I begin class as usual, asking everyone to find a comfortable seat and close their eyes. And in that moment, there was quiet, space, breath, and I can feel something in me begin to shift. Most of you know, I just got back from Paris and it was perfect. Long pause as I can feel the tears roll down my cheeks. And there's this feeling when something is so great that you want to hold on to it as much as you can for as long as you can. But ultimately you can't. Pause, really feeling the tears now and unsure how to get out of this. I continue. I guess this is what happens when you turn 40 and well, I just can't hide who I am anymore. There's no more guard up looking for any escape out of this. And I'll just leave it at that. I managed to shift gears and teach the class, half wondering how I'm being perceived and the other half not understanding what's really going on and why I'm so emotional. All of my students are lovely after class, thanking me for being so open, offering a hug and words of comfort, and like the true teachers that they are, making me feel better. That's the thing about this practice that I love. I don't always understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, but I allow myself to feel it and be okay with it. All of it. Last night, for the first time, I wasn't just the teacher. I was me. So as I said, this has never happened before. I certainly showed up many, many times as a yoga teacher feeling frustrated for whatever reason in my life. But by the end of teaching the class, I always would feel better. Um, There's something about being in service when it's not about you. 
that you're able to get a perspective around whatever drama is going on in your world and you're able to be like, ah, it's not such a big deal after all, you know, um, which is why I love this, why I really do love teaching and um, because it's given me that opportunity to, again, get out of my own head and just be of service and then let the let the moment and being present kind of lift me away from whatever that drama that I had going on, you know, but this particular um, day, I remember I was starting to feel, you know, I think when you have an experience like, you know, going to Paris and then also having all these expectations around what that trip is going to be and then not only having them being met, but then having them exceeding your expectations, right? Because I had no idea um, all of that was going to occur and then realizing, oh, it's over, right? That experience is done. And now I have my life to get back to. And what does that mean? And, you know, and I just started to feel it all. And what I was realizing is, and I, this is before I had any idea what was going on. I thought that the feelings were attached to an expectation of how my Paris trip was now done. But what I started to realize is this idea of stepping into fear and this exhilaration and this, you know, adrenaline rush that I would feel right afterwards, um, to maintain that where I had to do it every single day, I had to crash down because I couldn't stay, like think about a, a cup full, like you can't fill it up anymore. So you have to empty it so that it can fill up again the next day. And so your mind has to create some story to get you to cry, to get you to that low place. And that's what this was about. My mind was creating this situation, which was like, you should feel sad. This trip is over. Um, all of that, you know, preparation is now done. Now you've got your life to get back to, you know, it's not that great after all, or I don't know, whatever, whatever I needed to say to myself to basically cry and feel bad, truly, because I needed to feel, to fill up again the next day so that I can do another fearless act. Um, you know, you can change the situation, I could have, you know, made the story about, um, I mean, I don't know, it could have been about anything. It could have been about, you know, I'm having, I'm being sad because um, I'm single. It could have been about that, you know, but it wasn't. It was this particular story that um, triggered me enough to walk into that yoga space and to be vulnerable. And, you know, it's a tricky situation because, you know, especially as a woman, let's say you're a boss or let's say you're somebody who is in a corporate setting, you know, it's always like you can't cry at work. There's that famous, you know, um, line in a league, of, a league of Their Own where Tom Hanks is like, there's no crying in baseball. You know, like when, when women cry, it's, it really feels society, societal pressure tells us like, you know, it's, it's shown as weak, right? You're weak if you cry. You know, this whole new kind of, uh, this whole new discussion about vulnerability, like that was never spoken about when I was growing up. Nobody ever talked about like how being vulnerable is, is a good thing, you know? It was always, yes, okay, you want to cry, but you want to cry behind closed doors. You don't want to share what you're going through um, because it's, it's perceived as weak. And what I was realizing is in those moments, that's actually when you're the strongest, when you're able to give yourself permission to let it out in a way that is healthy, in a way that is 
um, compassionate in a way that is loving, that's actually very strong. I think it's weaker or it's, to me, it's weak to not have those emotions and just pretend like you're fine all the time, right? Because where is, what is that going to get you in life? It's just going to make you somebody that is not going to be fun to be around. And also you're not going to be able to hold space for people that um, are going through something. You know, I've noticed like if you can't deal with your own emotions, how are you going to deal with it in somebody else? So if you have a friend that is, you know, vulnerable or going through something and you yourself can't deal with your own shit, that friend, you're going to be like, I don't want to talk to you about about this. I don't want to even hear this. I don't want like you're going to reject that because you can't even see it in yourself. So it's it's fascinating to me because. I've been somebody that's always kind of been very in tune with my emotions and I'll let it out and, you know, that kind of a thing. But I was really unsure and a little nervous about what that would look like, you know, as a teacher um, standing in front of my class and and starting to cry. I mean, I didn't have a full-blown crying attack, but I definitely, I was nervous. You know, I think especially for me, when I look at my yoga teachers, I just assume that they're like badasses that like walk around this world and they're so amazing. So like when you are holding somebody up on a pedestal, so to speak, um, what happens when you realize they're just human, you know? And I think, I know that, you know, turning 40 for me was about owning all of that, owning the parts of me that were deeply vulnerable, that wanted to share this part of myself with the world, with my students, with myself. I, I didn't want to hide, you know. I was I was realizing how detrimental that was to shame myself for feeling bad or feeling sensitive or feeling, you know, um, like something hurts me or, you know, that kind of a thing. Like I was realizing that in order to be the best version of myself, I needed to express it, own it, and not be ashamed of it, you know? And I think the idea of vulnerability um, now is looked upon as something really brave, right? You've got people like Brene Brown kind of leading us um, towards this new wave of thinking about vulnerability, how that is actually heroic, that is actually should be celebrated, that is something that is the most profound and beautiful part of a human, you know, is their ability to be vulnerable, to say, these are my weaknesses, to, to own it. You know, it's like when you own those parts of yourself, like it's so liberating. So once this happened, like I said, the students were so loving and so wonderful. And by the way, I don't know if I would have had this reaction had it been a class that I didn't really know that well. I think because I felt safe um, with this particular group, that was why I was allowed to show who I truly was, you know? And, um, so they were truly, truly wonderful. And I felt, um, really held in that moment. And I'd be curious to know if any other yoga teacher has had that experience before where they've been overtaken by an emotion, like, tears and how they handled it. That's an interesting topic. I, I think I might ask that to my Facebook group because I really do think that there's something 
I don't know, there's something about when we hold people up on a pedestal and then like what happens when you start to realize they're just human or when they do share, you know, their emotions or they do become vulnerable, like how does that change? And, you know, I guess it's the same thing, like the same idea of, you know, like a friend who can't see that within themselves. So if somebody looks within themselves and doesn't deal with their own stuff, so when they see it in someone else, they're going to shut down and they're not going to respond. So it just depends on the person and how how much they actually are willing to own their own vulnerability and to allow themselves to be safe with their emotions. So it's an interesting discussion, actually. I'd love to hear what you think. You should let me know. All right, now I'm going to talk about fearless act number... Wait, did I skip 10? Where's number 10? Where's number 10? Here we go. This one's a really, really fun one. This is City Bike. We finally meet. So I had seen City Bikes, and if you don't know what a City Bike is, it's just basically a um, a bike that you can rent in New York City. They have them in LA. They have them probably all over um, the states in various big cities where it's an option to get on a bike, rent a bike, and you know, it's a way to commute versus, you know, driving your car or taking public transportation. And so I had seen city bikes had become really prevalent in New York. And I was like, I really want to try them. Even though biking in New York City scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was like always afraid because bikers, like you've got to think like you are a car when you're on a bike because cars just don't stop. They just go. And New York is just crazy in general. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try getting on a bike and seeing what this whole thing is all about, right? This is about trying and doing new things. So city bike, here we go. So I wrote this really funny um, blog post about it. I'm going to read it to you. Yesterday, I bought the 24-hour day pass and was ready to go. Here's a play-by-play of my internal dialogue as I biked throughout the city. Okay, this is going to be fun. Rules say abide by traffic laws, stay off the sidewalk, and ride with traffic. Easy. I can do this. Riding mostly through residential areas. Hmm, maybe I should get a helmet. Oh, it's okay. I won't go far. Oh, look, there's another biker. Hey there, biker. Hey there, cute biker man. Oh, wait, he's wearing headphones. Wait, he's wearing headphones? How is he going to hear the oncoming traffic? Oh, well, his problem, not mine. Oh, there's a bell on this bike. How cute. You can ring my bell. <laughs> ring my bell. Wait, pay attention to the road. No singing. Oh, look, another biker. Can, can I wave? No, just ring the bell. No, that's not what that's for. Oh, no, I have to turn onto the busy street where the cars and trucks and buses are. No, I don't want to go. Oh, no, here I go. Ah, please don't hit me. Oh, look, there's another biker, and he's wearing a guitar on his back. How the hell? Wait, that's a brilliant idea. No, that's a terrible idea. Are you crazy? Oh, my God, he's going the opposite direction of traffic. Now, that's not following the rules. Okay, just get me to Union Square. I'll pop into Models and get a helmet. Just get me to Union Square. I get to Union Square, pop in, buy a helmet, take a selfie, and grab a new bike. All right, now he's looking cute in a helmet and a bicycle. Let me try to get to my class on 38th Street. Hmm, maybe I shouldn't be wearing flip-flops. Oh, well, I'll zip up 6th Avenue. Shouldn't take too long. Oh, my God, look at this traffic. Oh, there's a bunch of cyclists passing me. Should I go faster? No, let them pass you. Oh, my God, that car is honking at me. No. Don't look. Pay attention to the road. Another city biker without a helmet. Unbelievable. I should tell him about my helmet. Maybe we can be friends. No, just get to your destination. Phew, I made it. 
consensus, city bike, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> oh, that one was really fun. The funny thing about this is I kept that bike helmet because I was like, I'm going to start to ride city bike. I, I think I bought the three-day pass. And um, so I'm like, well, I got this helmet. I mean, this might be kind of cool. I thought it was going to really introduce me to this whole new subculture in New York of all these like the bike people, you know, where I would walk into places. I would always see these bike people where they were holding on to their, you know, helmets in one hand and they had like, you know, those windbreaker jackets on and they had like these hats and these bandanas and, you know, there was just like a certain type of person, I guess, maybe like a granola kind of person. Um, I mean, that's totally stereotyping, but I'm just saying I was like really excited that I was going to meet these biker people and I was going to be a part of them. We were going to be like, you know, a team, you know, <laughs> this is like in my head, I'm thinking this, <laughs> but then of course it didn't happen. I'm not going to tell you what I ended up doing with that bike helmet. Um, that's for next week or maybe two weeks. Okay. So I'm going to end <laughs> this week's episode on that note. Um, because next week I have a really juicy episode where it's my first interview. I'm interviewing one of my very first coaching clients that I ever worked with and she's incredible. Her story is just so inspiring. I can't wait for you to hear it. And um, so definitely check that out next week. And as always, you are welcome to email me if you're interested in doing your own fearless journey. I would love to be your guide. Also, I have just a few more spots left for my South of France retreat, my yoga retreat. I would love to have you join us. If you're interested, you can um, just click on the link in the show notes and um, that will take you directly to my website. I'm going to end this episode with one of my songs from my EP of Walking on Freedom. It's called Make Me New. It's available on iTunes and Spotify and I so appreciate you listening. Sending my love. Bye. I know how to hold you And I know when it's right And I know when to walk away And I know when to fight And I know when it's over I know the smell and the Me new.